The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. Hello and welcome to Baseball Barbacast, the only baseball podcast in the world that knows that shortstops have to be short. You can't be tall and play over there. It's not allowed. Damn right. Uh, And we are going to be talking all about some shortstops on this episode of Baseball Barbacast. This is a little bit of a special thematic edition because we wanted to provide some bonus content as we head into Thanksgiving. And the hot stove will presumably pause for a few days as everyone goes home and uh, celebrates some time with their family. But the shortstops will be a, a conversation over the Thanksgiving table, surely across this great nation, as we debate which of these four would you like to build your franchise around? Is that really the question we're getting into? Who knows? The point is, is this episode is going to be all about the four free agent shortstops at the top of the market. Everyone heading to their Thanksgiving table, dreading having to talk to that uncle who thinks that Dansby Swanson is the best shortstop available. Look, Mm -hmm. it's important to respect all backgrounds and all opinions at the Thanksgiving table, Mm -hmm. but it is understandable if some of the younger kids roll their eyes at that at that take. You'll see. So so this is going to prepare you for those conversations, give you all the facts and figures and maybe the did you knows, things you didn't know about these guys that you can bring to the table and maybe, you know, sway that crazy uncle away from wanting to give Dansby Swanson $300 million. Uh, just kidding. We love all four of these guys. And we're going to get into why. Um, Jake, the way we're going to do this is we're going to go one by one. We're going to kind of we're going to do the same kind of categories for all four guys. So we give them their, their even, you know, an, an equal share of, of, of attention from us. We're not. And then at the end, we're going to do some superlatives, some yearbook superlatives. Uh, comparing the four. And then at the very, very end, we will talk about which baseball teams could reasonably sign these four players. But uh, we will begin, of course, at the top. Uh, I guess we have multiple number one overall picks, but is there anything Well, else? I would like, I yeah, would like to provide to a caveat or two. Oh, yeah. Not all of these players will be good, probably. One of them, at least, will underwhelm and underperform their contract. That is what free agency is. When you look back over the years in free agency, you need it to win. If you pay people, you will win baseball games, correct? Yeah. However, some of these will miss, Mm -hmm. right? And people who wrote, this guy's the truth, will look silly. And we don't know who that will be, but it will probably be one of these four. And that's just the way that life goes. Yeah, and, or maybe, you know, Gene Segura, I guess maybe the next best shortstop, even though he hasn't really played shortstop on this list, will we'll outperform all of them and we'll all look silly. But there's a reason these four have been grouped together. Now, Dansby certainly was not necessarily in this conversation until this year, but we'll get to him a little bit later. Um, but yeah, we're gonna we're just gonna have fun with this because because we love baseball players and 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 these are these are these are a fun four to talk about who've taken very different uh, paths to get to this point. So before we begin, do you think oh, yeah. they all have one another's phone numbers? Do you think everyone oh right. ha- which has one, one another's phone numbers? No, I'm gonna say no. I'm trying to think which ones would be most likely to have each other's phone numbers. I think it's. Oh, I don't know. I, that's a good question. 
I think I'd probably go like Bogarts and Correa. I don't know. What do you think? Who, who you think they? All, I'm sure they could all get it. Duh. But have each other's phone numbers. Do you, do you, do you have a pairing that seems like a likely friendship? Because none of these guys seem like obvious friends. No, I would say Dansby and Correa. Ooh, interesting. Interesting pick. Yeah. Like they, they, you know, they at some point, you know, during the World Series last they year. They were at a red <laughs> carpet together or something. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah, no, that's true. I mean, they've, they've all, they've shared all-star games and they've, they've run into each other here and there. I guess Trey and Dansby maybe played against Southern College, but probably not. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. That's, that's a good question. It's a good question. All right. Well, we're going to get to all those connections a little bit later. But let's begin, I think, with Carlos Correa uh, because Correa for, I guess, the second year in a row, is at or near the top. Um, We know Judge is at the top, but Judge will probably get his own podcast episode at some point. So we'll focus on the shortstops and begin with Carlos Correa. Carlos Correa, born in Puerto Rico, drafted as the number one overall pick in the 2012 MLB draft at the age of 17 by the Houston Astros. Now, remember, at the time, Byron Buxton was kind of the consensus best talent available, and the Astros took Correa and use the money they saved to get also be able to pay Lance McCullers, yes. which turned out well for them. And Carlos Correa blossomed into a player of better or equal status to Byron Buxton. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Jordan, and- what is your first memory of Carlos Correa? Well, I can certainly picture him. Uh, you know, he was at the draft. And it was a, a surprising thing. I, it's the, the real thing I think about is that at the draft, he was wearing the old Astros yes. jerseys, which he never ended up wearing once he got to the big leagues, because that's when they they changed it over. But it is this weird image that kind of crosses Astros generations, which is you know very symbolic and, and emblematic of the Astros transition from being one of the worst, most embarrassing tanking teams in baseball history to the dynasty we know them of today in their their blue and orange uh, compared to their black and, and maroon and weird pinstripes that they were rocking. So that's kind of what I, I mean, you're right. Correa is is one of the one of the faces of that team just as much as Altuve was. But in terms of the draft and developing, I mean, he's he's that guy. He's He represents everything about the Astros in that sense. What's amazing about it to me is him holding up this old school black uh, black pinstriped red and tan Astros jersey with the star on the hat next to Bud Selig. Yes, Bud Selig right. is also right. Exactly. Yep. And how that feels like 800 years ago. And at this point, it was 10 years ago. But it also feels like yesterday because I think this was the first draft that I really watched mm-hmm. and paid attention to. And because of that, Carlos Correa, I think, holds a little special place in my heart. Now, Jordan, the high point of his career, kind of obvious, I would say it is winning the 2017 World Series. Yes, and then immediately proposing to his wife, uh, leaving his interview with Ken Rosenthal to propose to his uh, now wife, Daniela, I believe is her name. Uh, 2017, it's not. we're not about to go full Astros uh, discourse here, but yeah, I mean, it's it, still the high point of his career. I mean, by far, he wasn't obviously on the team a month ago <laughs> for to win again. And even though he was in the World Series again later, uh, yeah, 2017 and, and being being that young, I mean, that was only his his third season. And and yeah, he was he was amazing that year as well. I mean, cheating, I'm sure helped a little bit. Uh, but but yeah, that was that was it. That's the easy answer. He was so good. Yeah. That year. Yeah. He had a 941 OPS as a 22 year old shortstop mm-hmm. and finished 
17th in the MVP voting because he missed like 60 games because he got hurt. But it is funny looking back at this and how this season there are some indicators that the cheating certainly helped that year. His batting average has never come anywhere close to 315 since. Mm -hmm. And the OPS number at that age was it's just a little interesting and smells a little, you know, funky that 2017 happened to be the year that he was that good. Now, while that was his best offensive season, it's I would probably say that this year in 2022 is his best all around season. That wasn't Influenced by a trash can, he hit 291, 366, 467. That's an 834 OPS, a 140 OPS plus, so 40% better than league average. Only had 22 home runs, but he hit 291. For the Twins, which it was, it's interesting to think about because the Twins this year, we, we consider them to be such a horrible disaster. But yet Correa went right. Their decision to give him a bizarre three-year deal with opt-outs galore paid off in year one it's just that no one else in the team was good <laughs> well everyone besides else Luis Arise. you know everyone else was injured right I mean Correa you know, we can talk about his strange injury history as well uh but Correa was was there he, he I mean he played he played 136 games which you know again by by today's standards is still pretty good um, I, I don't know. I mean, I would say his 2021, especially with the defensive numbers he had last year, was was basically just as good, if not better, than this year. His defensive metrics took a big hit this season, and that could have been a, a result of not being positioned by the Astros' defensive wizards. Could be a, a result of just not as much effort, probably later in the season when his Twins were spiraling out of control. Uh, but offensively, I mean, it yeah, could also not- be that def- it could also be defensive metrics are, <laughs> are not always right. Yeah, no, that's that's true. But uh, offensively, I mean, yeah, he had the, he had the highest OPS plus, WRC plus of any shortstop above all the three other guys we're going to talk about today. But it was quiet. He didn't get a single MVP vote, which I thought was stunning. Um, but also it kind of goes to show how unmemorable his season was individually. But also that's kind of part of what happens when you go to the Twins. Now, their season falling off the rails is, is a big part of that. Again, not his fault. But yeah, he was he was very not in not relevant, but unlike with Javier Baez, where he went to the Tigers and the Tigers also were a disaster, but he was also a disaster and was irrelevant for that reason. Correa did his part and he was good enough, more than good enough to opt out. And now he's back on the market again. Now, assuming the Twins tenure is done, which is not fair, and we'll talk about that a little bit later, but assuming it's done, Jordan, you were there the day in Fort Myers when he was announced mm-hmm. at spring training. You were yeah. at that press conference. Yeah. Looking at that moment a season later, what does it tell you? What stands out? How does that age in your mind? Yeah, it's really interesting. And I'm, I'm certainly looking forward to his next press conference, wherever that may be, whether it's re-upping with the Twins or whether it's going to the Dodgers, the Yankees, the Cubs, whatever. Uh Correa as a personality, and we can maybe get into this, is a very interesting figure because, yes, he is in some ways the the face of the cheating scandal, mostly because he was the most defiant, the most the most I am now going to be the villain because I have no choice. They're going to boo me anyway. I might as well lean into it and be the wrestling heel. Right. Uh, At the same time, he was beloved in Minnesota. He was a leader in Minnesota. He did bring a level of of leadership, a level of analytical tilt that he has had for his whole career. This this came up this postseason when he went on the TBS uh, pregame show, I believe, and was talking about how it's like, yeah, 
I care about on base because that's what gets me paid. I care about OPS plus. I care about these baseball savant numbers. Like this dude is very in tune to these things. And yeah, he grew up with the Astros, right? It makes sense. But that's not that's not to say everybody on the Astros is that way, right? They're old school guys who play for new school organizations. But Correa is very much a part of that. But the point is, is that he they really loved him in Minnesota and he wanted to be the guy to like be like, hey, this is how we're going to do things here. And I think they love that. And obviously it didn't work out. I don't think it has anything to do with him. Uh, but his personality is really interesting because we think about it as from a fan perspective, a lot of people are still not going to like him very much. And he kind of he made his bet in that sense. Right. But inside the clubhouse, I think people do still generally uh, like and appreciate having him around. Because he knows what the fuck he's talking about, and he's really damn good. <laughs> when you talk to people around the Cubs about this, or the Cubs, sorry, around the twi- uh, around the Twins about this, you get the sense that they're like, "Wow, he was amazing! Like he was such a leader. He was he was a, a huge presence." And it, they don't they're not trying to do this, but there's like a bit of a backhanded compliment aspect of that, where it's like this guy cheated and was despised by the entire league. And then he showed up and he wasn't any of those things. Now, no one has said that explicitly to me or to you, but I get that that's part of the vibe that he was villain number one for the whole pandemic Mm -hmm. in the world of baseball. Right. Like we found out about the cheating scandal. We all sat in our homes for five months yelling at the TV, being mad at Carlos Graham. Right. Yeah. And I found it really interesting to talk to people around that team that were like, he's great. We'd love to have him back. Yeah. And that I would just say that, like, that is why and I wrote about this at Fox last week, like that is why I am most interested in him, because all these are the three guys that we're going to talk about. Whoever signs them, the fan base is going to be like, holy shit, this is the coolest thing ever. Like, truly, I really do believe even even Swanson, who I know is not necessarily like it will be cool and exciting because they're extremely likable and the most unproblematic people like players and personalities you can have. Right. Correa is going to come still, even after his year in Minnesota, is still going to come with baggage for certain fan bases. I just think that I think most of baseball internally is would still love to have him because he's that good correct all right what is carlos correo good at besides the clubhouse stuff the professionalism stuff uh he's an incredibly good hitter even though he's not like he's nowhere near aaron judge or mike trout or like freddie freeman level numbers but an 140 ops plus for any level of shortstop is pretty crazy and we shouldn't let you know a rod peak seasons or 2020 one Fernando Tatis, <laughs> let us forget that. Yeah, and now, I would say offensively, right? Like, and we'll get to comparing later. The on base is really what stands out about him in terms of the walks, in terms of just the general strike zone awareness, and 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 seeing him hit two ninety one this year too. I mean, I know Babbitt is a fluctuating thing, but it's that. And then I mean, the the defense. I know the defensive metrics, but his arm is still one of the more jaw dropping single tools that we have in in baseball for sure. And that doesn't slump. Now, what is he bad at? Staying on the field. Maybe this is not a fair critique because sometimes, you know, injuries are freak things. And I don't think it's always chill to malign players for things they can't always control. That being said, Correa played 136 games this past year, which was the third most in his career. I'm just going to do seasons uh, with game. Like how many games he played per season. Rookie year, 99. That's just because he came up halfway through. 153, most he's ever played. 109, 110, 75, 58. That's a full season in the shortened season. 148 and 21, 136 this year. I think it's fair to have concern about his ability to stay on the diamond. But he 
over the last three years has played a majority of those games. That being yeah. said, Jordan, here is a list of players who have appeared in more games than Carlos Correa since the beginning of the 2017 season. You ready? Okay, I'm ready. Michael Franco, Wilmer oh. Flores, Ben Gamble, and Kevin Pillar. I just want you to think about this. Ben Gamble has played Dude, more. Dude, shots to Ben Gamble, man. Right, right? I mean, more baseball I, games than Carlos Correa, if you don't count the playoffs, which I guess you should. And he certainly has been in the playoffs, of course, every year until uh, this past year in Minnesota. But yeah, that's the thing. I mean, his we'll get to, you know, some of these other guys are much more compared to the other three. He he has had way more trouble staying on the field for sure, uh, especially earlier in the career. And he's had some weird injuries that we can get into. Um, but yeah, I, I'd say that that is a fair question. And then I think the defense is, is, is I think, good. There's no way I, I believe that it was below average the way some of the metrics suggested this season. But yeah, I think you're you're you are kind of wondering is is this was the platinum glove in 2021? Was that just like some again, defensive metrics are weird. And are we talking about just a, a good shortstop with a great arm? Again, no more shifting. How does that change? Because lateral mobility and, and general range is not necessarily what Correa has always been best at. Uh, it's more about, you know, making the play when he gets there and then having an absolute laser. So yeah, I mean that, that's another thing to, to keep keep in mind moving forward. Did you know, Jordan, let's move on to the did you know section. This is a quote I saw on his Wikipedia page, which made me laugh my ass off. Quote, when he was seven years old, Crea was performing solidly in Santa Isabel Playita Cortada American Baseball Congress affiliate, performing solidly, hitting up to 150 home runs when he was seven. So the three things you need to hear in the sentence, seven years old, performing solidly, hitting up to 150 home runs. <laughs> Up Man, to 150 is a hilarious number because up to that could mean 12. That's true. To me, I, I'm laughing at, uh, as you point out, um, solidly up to 150 home runs. That's a pretty, like, I feel like we're pretty holding this kid to a high standard if if up to 150 home runs is like, this guy's supposed to play perfect, playing all right. Seven-year-olds don't hit, hit home, home runs. runs. That's That was my other thought is what, what kind of fields are we talking about, right? Because you don't even have, you normally are not playing with fences to hit the ball over until you're 11, right? I mean, that's – but, hey, I'm not going to try to tell Carlos Correa. I mean, if someone wrote this. Someone witnessed up to 150 home runs from Carlos Correa when he was seven. How do you even play enough games when you're seven to hit 150 home runs? It's that's, warm out. That's, that's a lot. Maybe that's why he was injury prone later. He was playing enough games to hit 150 home runs when he was seven. He, uh, Carlos Cray has 155 career home runs in mm. the major leagues. Other did you know his brother, his little brother, is a catcher in the Astros system. Yes, and this is an interesting one because the Astros picked him twice, first out of a Juco and then out of Lamar, uh, 38th round in 2019. And it's like, oh, well, okay, you, you see this all the time, favorite drafts. I mean, it's not as common anymore with 20-round draft, but in a 40-round draft, it's like, oh, you will take Carlos Correa, Curry, some good favor. His brother was like an okay college player. Okay, cool, whatever. But the reason I'm mentioning this is because this dude's actually become a pretty pretty good player. He converted to catcher once he got into pro ball. And while he was a little bit old for the level, he hit very well in A-ball this year. So, yeah, J.C. Correa, he is still in the, the Astros system, I believe. Uh, very interesting prospect there. So he's still in Houston. There is still a Correa in Houston. Things about Carlos Correa that make us laugh. I think the number one thing is the time that he had his rib uh, like broken or cracked or uh, otherwise 
infringed upon <laughs> by a masseuse during a massage mm-hmm. and missed like a month and a half and then did like this very odd video with his wife where he explained the entirety of what had happened. Uh, and in the video, my favorite thing is that his wife talks about how she was like downstairs in the kitchen and she heard the crack and the, the scream from upstairs yeah, that's that's disturbing to say the least and maybe unbelievable. <laughs> Correct. I just it is it is a first ballot Hall of Fame weird baseball injury that has never happened to anyone else. And I think that's why people were skeptical about the cause of the injury when it first happened, because if something that's never happened before happens to someone famous, you're always like, no, you're lying. <laughs> Uh, yeah. We talked about this before. He proposed to his girlfriend after winning the World Series in 2017 in Game 7. And I always think about what his plan was if they had lost that game. Yes, yes. And I think there was some reporting done about how he even got the ring to him between the last out and doing the interview. Uh, it, it's very, a very interesting sequence of events. But to your point, right, like was the plan to just do it at some point that offseason? Was to do it, you know, on the sad flight home? Like what was... What was the plan there? I don't know. One last question for you, Jordan. Yeah. How long will the stink of the 2017 Astros follow him as he moves on in his career? Uh, I think it will. It'll be booed for a long time in some cities. But I think that it will pretty if he signs somewhere that's not the Yankees or the Dodgers. I think we're just going to keep kind of moving away from it. That was the other benefit of signing with the Twins is it was like, these guys aren't thinking about this. Like They're just thrilled to have Carlos Correa on their team in terms of home fans. I think it will be interesting. Dodgers and Yankees would be a little bit different. Uh, you know, I, we talk about this enough with the Astros. We did it in the World Series. He's a little different because he was, first of all, he didn't stick around and win again with them in 2022. Uh, Jeremy Pena did. <laughs> but, but I also think that, that, yes, it'll stick with him, but not that much. Where's it going? What do we think? Um, I just mentioned a couple. I mean, man, the Cubs really do make a lot of sense. They make a lot of sense as someone, as a team. Orioles make sense too, but as a team that needs time to build more around him, signing the youngest best free agent available seems like a great move. And I think he would be a, a great fit there. I think he's going to go back to the Twins. Mm. I think they're going to pay him. I think it's possible. I do think that people should be talking about like people are just completely acting like I've seen articles written that are just like his time on the twins was great. And like it's like they're they're (laughs) ending it in ways that you don't see with other free agents that you've ever see written about Bogarts or Swanson or Turner. Right. It's just like the twins. It's just like we're we're all moving. We're all forcing Correa away from Minnesota again. And we should not do that. So I agree. Let's move on to (laughs) Trey Turner, free agent number two on the board. Trey Turner was drafted out of NC State by the San Diego Padres, weird, in the 2014 MLB draft. He was the 13th overall pick that year. Jordan, what is your first memory of Trey Turner? Well, uh, as we were fortunate enough to get to know one Carlos Rodon during his 
uh, junior year, that same junior uh, spring with NC State. We had no connection to Trey Turner, but because they were teammates and because we were very interested in how Mr. O'Don was going to do with NC State, there was a lot of hype. We're going, oh, we got two first round picks. This NC State team's going to be awesome. And then they were just so disappointing. And Trey Turner in particular, both him and, and Carlos were, were not as good as I think people were hoping. It was like, these two are going to lead them to a national championship. That very much did not happen. And so I just remember being like, all right, well, this Trey Turner guy, like he seems pretty good, but this the vibes here are just not great <laughs> in Raleigh right now. Uh, and then the Padres picked him. And then and then we, we know... We know what happened uh, after that. I guess we'll get to the Trey Turner rule a little bit later. But yeah, I mean, I, I just remember watching that NC State team a lot. I would say the high point of his career was winning the World Series with the 2019 Nationals. The second highest point of his career might be getting out of Washington just in time to not have to be on the 2022 well, Nationals. Right. I mean, again, to be thrown in, th th that trade is so wild because we all were like, all right, they really might trade Max Scherzer. Like that was the conversations we were, those are the conversations we were having. Wow. They're going to trade Max Scherzer. Here we go. And then it was like, oh, they're also trading Troy Turner with a year left. <laughs> like that is, that is still one of the crazier trade sequences ever. Um, but yeah, no, I, I, I totally agree. And while he didn't you know, necessarily have that much postseason success with the Dodgers uh, in his time there, if it is over, uh, yeah, he's still better than playing for the Nationals the last year and a half. That's for damn sure. Uh, okay. Best season from Trey Turner, probably last year. Yeah, 2021, for sure. He had a 145 OPS plus, hit 328, which won the batting title. Also at 28 home runs and stole 32 bases, which for a shortstop is absolutely ridiculous. Yes. Now, those 28 home runs, I am a little skeptical about whether he will have that power moving forward. And that's a good way and time to transition to what we think these players are good at. Trey Turner is fast. That's like the thing, right? He's 99th percentile sprint speed, steals more bases than anybody in the league does anymore. As the game transitions kind of back to more stolen base oriented, I would imagine his value would be even higher considering that he's going to go even more because the bases are a little bit bigger. It'll be easier to go. He can get hits in so many ways. If he hits a dribbler, he's probably safe. And yeah. if he hits one in the gap, it's probably a triple. Yes, his 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 spray chart, while it is a little, it's become more pull heavy in recent years. There's just so many different. I mean, he can slash it down both lines, infield hits, bunt for hits, homers to, you know, you know, huge pull side homers, triples in the gap, doubles in like he it's everything. Right. And a part of that is the fact that he's, he's one of the fastest players in the league. But I think, yeah, I think as we transition into this next era of baseball where, you know, with the pitch clock. We're trying to get more stolen bases in. We're, we're moving the bases bigger. It's harder to keep guys on, maybe. Plus, defensive positioning changing to where his what has been average to below average shortstop play maybe becomes a little bit more relevant if his range, which is his best feature uh, on defense, is because his arm is not plus at all. And that's going to be something that will also be tested as we move into this next era. But at the same time, I mean, if he can get to more stuff than the average shortstop now with more defensive positioning things, uh, restrictions, I think that will also uh, benefit his value. He kind of changed his approach a little bit in yeah. 2022, which was weird, where he just started swinging and chasing pitches outside the zone a lot more than he had earlier on in his career, right? Yeah, he was really, I mean... We'll talk about the John Hem video in a second where they referred to him as, as, as slump proof as it gets. 
he was not doing so great in the last couple of months of 2022 for really the first time. Because you look at his overall career numbers, there really isn't a bad season in there. But he was swinging so much. He was chasing so much. He's never been a guy that walks a lot, but he also, his contact skills are so good. And because he can beat out so many infield hits, the batting average is always going to be high career lifetime 300 hitter, which is which is really, really impressive. Uh, but offensively, he's also one thing been so consistent with a reason why his offense is ever so good. He crushes left-handed pitching like more than just, oh, he's better against lefties among the whole league for the last three seasons. He has a top five OPS against left-handed pitching OPS, right? So he's slugging like 600 against against lefties. So that is something that I do feel confident will continue because he's done that his whole career, even though we don't necessarily think of him as a power hitter. That's where a lot of those power numbers are coming from. So, even though he doesn't look like a power guy. I think he's going to keep uh, mashing lefties wherever he goes. But those chase rates and that aggre- like if, if if he can't tone that in, then he gets closer to a profile that looks a lot like Dansby Swanson, uh, ironically enough. And we can get uh, more into that a little bit later. Of course, the speed is what sets him apart there. But yeah, that's the worry with Trey Turner, I would say, moving forward. Jordan, there are one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight active players with a career average over 300 mm. and oh more God. than a hundred plate appearances, <clears throat> more than a hundred plate appearances, a thousand more than a hundred plate appearances. more than a hundred plate appearances. Okay. All right. Just, just tell me, I mean, if we're lower at that low, then I'm not even going to, going to try and guess. So if you want to give me those names, Miguel Cabrera, heard of him, it's Robinson not Pools Cano. anymore, right? Robinson Cano, who you could, I mean, we could argue about, uh, active, <laughs> uh, activity, Jose Altuve, Mike Trout, yep. Trey Turner, Jeff McNeil, which rules, mm-hmm. Louisa Rise, yes, and Joey Meneses. <laughs> oh man, one Nationals icon to another. Joey Meneses not getting a fifth place uh, and a Rookie of the Year vote truly broke my heart. Um, but yeah, I mean that's that that's the Trey Turner profile. But look, man, I mean, what what is? First of all, well, oh, sorry, we we need to save John Hamm for for his own conversation here. Next, next thing you said, did you know? That was a good did you know that you just said, right? When you said eight eight career uh, lifetime injuries. Uh, did you know that they changed the Major League Baseball rules because of what the uh, San Diego Padres did with Trey Turner, which is basically when they drafted him in 2014, that offseason, there used to be a rule where you could not trade a player you drafted until at least a full year after you've drafted them. The Padres, in a trade that I am not going to try and tell you all the details of because it involves like 500 players, in a three-way deal with the Nationals and Rays, made a trade in December of 2014, that offseason right after he got drafted, and made Trey Turner the player to be named later because he wasn't allowed to be traded yet. However, it leaked immediately that Trey Turner was going to be the player to be named later, but he couldn't be traded for six more months, which meant that he then went in 2015 to AA with the Padres, knowing he was going to be traded in June and just had to play. One of the weirder things ever, at which point everyone looked around and said, this is a dumb rule. They should just change it so that you can trade them after the end of the season that they've made. So that now play, and it's happened a lot recently where players that were just traded get traded the offseason after they were drafted. But yeah, that is that is because of Trey Turner, because of that ridiculous situation that he was in and the trade that he was a part of. And his agent talked about at the time, like the coaches of his double A team had no real incentive to try and develop him. Like it would in, actually be in their best interest, technically, to just fuck with Trey Turner <laughs> right. and screw him over. Right. But they didn't do that because, you know, people are nicer than 
than that. And Trey Turner ended up on the Nats. Now, he has three career cycles, Mm. which I love. That's tied for the MLB record, I believe, I was for say, most cycles. Right? I think he tied that record this year, maybe, or maybe last year. Yeah. And I hope he gets one more because when I think of the cycle, he's the perfect player. Perfect. Where there's just talked about so many, every kind of hit. Right. Every kind of hit. And so I hope he gets one more in his career and he can be the cycle king. I love that. The Lance Armstrong, Jordan, the cycle king. <laughs> now let's talk about the John Ham reel. John Ham. Uh, who is represented by CAA as Trey Turner is CAA large large agency um, decided how can we get uh, we can boost the, the Trey Turner you know the hype reel right the Trey Turner hype reel this is very common for free agents now here's the thing to remember about this while this was tweeted out by Jeff Passan originally say hey check this out who is this for Jake this is a very important thing to understand who is this video for this is a very important thing to remember because while we are about to laugh at it. This video is not for us. It is not. It's not. Even though Jeff Passan tweeted it and I got a notification saying, hey, check out this Trey Turner video. It is not for us. So who is it for, Jake? Who do you think it's for, Jordan? Because I think you and I have different answers. Really? Okay. Uh, It's for the extremely wealthy owners who are not concerned about the very specific uh, minutia of Trey Turner's uh, uh, baseball reference page and are mostly concerned being like, Hey, does this sound like guy sound like he's really good and really cool and going to be a fan favorite and I should give him a lot of money? Yes. Okay, great. Oh, John Hamm. I know John Hamm. <laughs> that sounds awesome. All right, cool. I'm, I'm checking this out. That's who that is for. Who do you think it's for? It is for Trey Turner. Interesting. Explain. I think this is the type of thing that an agency would do to make their player happy with the agency. I don't think there's any way that any owner is seeing this video and being like, you know what? I'm in. Oh, I think I this totally is the- disagree. This is not this isn't like what is convincing them. I don't think especially personality wise. Did Trey Turner seem like he gives a shit about? I mean, this is like I, I could maybe see it with another player being more argument. I, I don't see this as being like, hey, we're doing our job. It's funny. It's a very funny way to do this, right? Say, hey, we're doing this is us. Like we're making sure we're doing the, the most for you in free agency. So this is all fluff, and and then no matter either direction, right? I'm not saying this is what it does, but the, the, when you when you hear the kinds of things that John Hamm is saying. It is very much a speaking as in the most straight selling terms as possible. That is true. Yeah, that is true. I'll give you that. It is hilarious. Do you have a favorite part of the reel other than the microphone being really bad? That's my favorite part is (laughs) they pulled the strings or the money, paid the money to get John Hamm and just didn't get a good microphone. Mm -hmm. And so it's it sounds bad. Like the point (laughs) of getting John Hamm is so it sounds good and it sounds bad. I yeah, I love it. And I, I read an interview. John Hamm already has already spoken about this. And he was like, yeah, yeah, it was cool. Like, I like, he's like, yeah, I hope he signs with the Cardinals because John Hamm is a giant Cardinals fan. And he's like, yeah, it'd be awesome if he just signed with the Cardinals. If this helps that, then, then sure. It sounds good to me. Like, All right. One last question for you, Jordan. <clears throat> as players get older, as we get older, as humans yeah. get older, as cheetahs and gazelles get older. Yeah. Speed dissipates. Foot speed goes away. Mm-hmm. Slowness comes like the dark dark night there are there's a long list of players whose careers have tailed off as their foot speed has declined are you worried about that with trey turner is this shortstop jacoby ellsbury um uh that's so disrespectful because jacoby ellsbury had one awesome season and (laughs) cashed in um 
Trey Turner, the thing I'm most about, like he, it's so consistent. He has never not been below the 99th percentile sprint speed at any point in his career. And I think a lot of that is, is how healthy and durable he's been, right? This is maybe the kind of thing that one wrong injury he doesn't come back from. But I think he's going to be one of the fastest players in the league for at least the next three, four seasons. I really do. Even as he, he is, he is one of the fastest players consistently that we have seen. One of the fastest good players that we've seen, right? We've had, you know, the Billy Hamiltons of the world come up and just be fast and LeCastro, right? Like, but his consistency to do it, to perform while also being the fastest, I'm, I'm a believer. And so while it is still a question, I mean, he's going to sign for more than three or four years. What does it look like at the end? I think the speed he's giving you the first three years, I, I, I'm not worried about that. Where's he going? Where's Trey Turner going? Uh, I know he's a popular answer uh, for Mariners fans who have seen him play second base and be like, oh, just put Trey Turner at second. I think that's crazy wishful thinking. I wouldn't be shocked if he, 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 oh man, is he the most likely to stay of the four? No. Probably still Bogarts. Uh, we'll get back to, we'll get to him in a second. Um, I don't know. Trey Turner is a lot of Phillies rumors. I think that makes a lot of sense. So I'll just go, I'll just go Phillies for him. I'll go Dodgers. I think he stays with them. <laughs> okay. <laughs> that was a funny pivot. I was like, most likely to say, you're like, no. All right, let's take a quick break, and we'll be right back after this with more shortstop chatter. Negro Leagues Baseball Museum President Bob Kendrick hosts the SiriusXM original podcast, Black Diamonds. The Negro Leagues didn't care what color you were, and they didn't care what gender you were. Can you play? Hear stories of the leagues and legends that shape sport, culture, and society. That's why the museum is so important. It's like, we are never going to forget you. Episodes of the award-winning Black Diamonds are now available wherever you get your podcasts. We're not talking about balls and strikes. We're talking about your life. And we're back on our shortstop special, Baseball Barbacast. We move on. To the X Man, Xander Bogats. Bogats. Xander. Let's talk about Xander Bogarts. Jakeman's first memory of Xander Bogarts. This is when I did you what you have here on the sheet is not something I remembered. So I, I appreciate this. 2013 World Series, he shows up wearing number 72 and starts all six games of the World Series. I mean, he got called up by the Red Sox in April, or sorry, not April, in August. And as a 20-year-old was just playing third and short for them because Will Middlebrooks and Stephen Drew were underwhelming. And then he won the World Series. And it's funny to look back on that now and see him wearing number 72. I think there's a chance that we may even remember him from the 2013 World Baseball Classic. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, he did play. I'm pretty sure he did play uh, for for the Netherlands team. Of course, a native of Aruba, played for Team Netherlands when he was very young. I mean, the thing I remember, to be clear, of course, I remember him in the World Series. I just don't remember him wearing 72. But because he came up so late, what I remember was he came up, he was pretty good, he played great in the World Series, he wins the World Series, and then he's still prospect eligible. And coming into the 13th season, he was already an easy top 30 prospect. And then after that, it was like, oh, he's one of the best prospects in baseball. I believe he was number two in basically every every ranking. I'm going to actually pull up who would have been number one at that point. 
um, because he was, it looks like he was consensus number two going into the 2014 season. I'm sure it's an obvious answer that I'm just forgetting right now, but I just remember that postseason being like, oh, awesome. Now he's also rookie eligible and we get to, you know, crank up his prospect stock like crazy because of how comfortable he just looked uh, in the postseason, which was very, 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 very impressive, especially on that Red Sox team in particular. And that's kind of the whole thing with Bogarts, and we can skip ahead to what he is good at. The level of offensive consistency here with him is yes. remarkable. When he yes. was younger, he wasn't putting up the same level of jaw-dropping numbers that he's done in the last five years, but there was a level of comfort and assuredness and maturity in the box that he had at that young age. And I wrote an article at Fox Sports about how I think that his maturity at 20 and his innate bat-to-ball skills and contact ability and barrel control are the same things that are going to make him good when he's 37. Mm-hmm. That he was a hitter, is a hitter, will be a hitter. And, and he just, he hits. It's that simple. Yeah, and and what I'm most impressed by looking back at his career is it's not just the consistency and, and the durability, but it's the same manner in which he's doing it every season. And and sure, the offensive, the overall counting number output might change. But when you look at his his walk and strikeout race, they have essentially been identical or close to identical for six years in a row. Like, you know, ex- or honestly, more than that, basically back to his first giant, you know, full season in 2015, 2016, his strikeout rate has been 17 or 18 percent. and His walk rate has been nine or 10 percent every single season. And compare that to the other short times we're talking about where those numbers are, are often fluctuating like crazy or at the very least not as even as impressive as they are, as, as I just said, like it, that is an appealing thing. Like you really know what you're getting as a hitter for Xander Bogarts, uh, maybe more than than any of these other three guys, just because, again, with Turner, we don't totally know, to your point, how the speed will impact his offensive game as he ages. But Bogarts, there's no reason I would not expect him to do exactly this 9% walk right, walk rate. 18% strikeout rate, which is which is both of which are better than league average. It's so impressive. I, I he to your point, he and that's what he's shown since he was he was 19. Uh, and by the way, just a quick note, it was Byron Buxton who was the consensus uh, number one prospect uh. ahead of Bogarts, which makes sense again in terms of, of tools wise. But yeah, Bogarts was was clearly number two in baseball uh, after that 2013 postseason. Bogarts is also remarkably durable. He has played the sixth most games in the entire league Mm -hmm. since the start of 2015. Mm -hmm. The best availability. Yeah. The best ability (laughs) is availability, Jordan. And Xander Bogarts has always had that. Now, what are the flaws when it comes to Xander Bogarts? So I would say the defense. Let's talk about the defense. So, again, as time has gone on, I have become less and less a believer in public defensive metrics. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I have to be honest about that. Mm -hmm. I just, talking to people with teams, they don't always reflect what the better shit that teams have internally. And so when you have a player whose defensive numbers fluctuate up and down like crazy, I feel compelled to just watch him and then throw my hands in the air (laughs) and be like, glove go brr. Now, the thing about Bogart's, He's kind of like Turner without the incredible speed and athleticism where the hands are really good. They're really solid. He doesn't make a lot of errors anymore, which he used to do more of in 2022. He was much more sure handed, but the arm is just fine. It's fine. It's not anywhere near Correa. And what that means is that there's not really a ceiling there 
for his defensive numbers because he can't make the incredible plays because his arm doesn't necessarily allow him to. But I think that this year he bought himself with those public metrics, if you believe them, another couple years of getting to be a shortstop. Whereas there was a moment over the offseason when the Red Sox signed Trevor Story, where the narrative was kind of like, they should probably move Story to short and move Bogarts to second. And the Red Sox were like, no, this guy, he lives here. Mm-hmm. Like, he's been here. Like, we're not going to fuck with that. Right. Um, what and is him, your take on Bogarts, the defender? Yeah, and him and Devers both improved a lot this season, and credit to both of them. But, yeah, I, I'm mostly with you on the defensive metrics. I mean, this was the first, like, good defensive metric season that he's really ever had. At the same time, I, I like you said, I don't know. And also, as, as we've already mentioned a couple of times, defense, defense is just about to change, right? Positioning is going to change. We're not shifting as much. And so who knows? We, we don't know. That doesn't mean that it's automatically means that Bogarts is going to be better or worse or Turner is going to be better or worse. We should have no idea how that's going to impact things. And so at the same time, I do agree that it, I think it looks like that he has bought himself a couple of years and it's easy to see if there's a team with a giant hole at shortstop that decide, yeah, of course he's a shortstop. No, no, no doubt. And it's also one of those things that we can assume, safely assume that he wants to play, keep playing shortstop. That's usually the case. There aren't that many Marcus Semyons out there who are, are cool, just kind of moving around no matter what. Um, now, money talks in all these cases, and someone could probably pay him enough money to play third if it was enough money. Uh, but at the same time, I do agree that he's probably more likely. Now, I would still bet on him to move more than the other three or sooner than the other three. But at the same time, I mean, again, offensively, he's he's as safe as it gets, and that's why, that's why he is going to get super-duper paid and deserves to. All right. Did you know about Xander Bogarts? He is a twin brother, Jair, who is an agent. But I would say Jair is most notable for being in the Theo Epstein trade, which is a hilarious thing when general managers or other front office people or sometimes even pitching coaches go from team to team under contract. The team that loses that coach or official is eligible for some sort of player related compensation where it turns into like a pseudo trade. And so when Theo Epstein went from the Red Sox to the Cubs, the Cubs sent two players back to the Red Sox as a thank you or as a evening it out. But to even it out even more, the Red Sox sent Jair Bogarts to Chicago with Theo Epstein. So the only person Theo really knew in Chicago at first was Andrew's brother. Uh, but then I believe that was the end of his career. It doesn't seem like uh, Jair ever ended up playing in the Cubs organization after his two years in the DSL with the Red Sox. Uh, but yes, I believe he's moved on to to be an agent, although I'm looking at his baseball reference page and it seems that he has actually been playing in the Dutch League for the last two seasons, which this is just a great thing. You just all need to know is that you can look at like the Italian League and the Dutch League on baseball reference and just see some amazing stats, amazing team names. Uh, like it looks like in 2021, he played for the Hoofdorp Pioneers. Oh yeah, the Pioneers. Yeah. <laughs> um, so shouts out to Jerry Bogarts, his twin brother. I know he's not his. He's not Xander's agent. Uh, I don't know who is. Oh, Xander's with Boris. Of course he is. Uh, now the other thing, uh, which is okay. So this is maybe a good way. To, a good way to go. Uh, one last question. First of all, as I said before, how soon does he move up shortstop? When? Do we see when is Xander's last full season at shortstop? I don't think it matters, but when do you think that will happen? How many more years are you give Xander at short? I think it totally depends on the makeup of your team and the makeup of your pitching staff too, right? So mm-hmm. if you have a pitching staff that's 
a lot of strikeouts or a lot of fly balls, then you can survive for longer with Xander Bogarts at shortstop. Whereas if your team has a bunch of sinker ballers who have high ground ball rates, then maybe he moves off. Like if he goes to the, let's say just in theory, he's not going to, goes to the Astros and you have like, you know, he can't play shortstop if you have Framber. You know what I mean? Like that's just not going to fly. Sure. That's not going to work. Sure, sure. Totally uh, theoretical yes. for a million reasons. Very much. Maybe the worst, maybe the least likely place he could go. The Astros, the team you just named. Um, I would agree. <laughs> I would say he has three more seasons as a shortstop, <clears> then like one or two as like another infielder, and then he moves to the corner out, bad corner outfielder DH, experiment yeah. DH role. I agree. Uh, where is Andrew going? So I love Xander Bogarts. He is yeah. the free agent I would most want. He, he's the same. For, for the Mariners especially, he's the top of my list. I think the Phillies mm, or the Cardinals. Okay. The Phillies and the Cardinals are my two picks because the Cardinals defense is already so good that they can afford to take a little roll of the dice at short. They have a lot of money to spend and they don't really have a shortstop right now. Yep. They can move Tommy Edmond around and Nolan yep. Gorman around and Brendan Donovan, and they can just, right, they'll have a good defense even if Xander Bogarts is their shortstop. And then for the Phillies, I just think it might be as simple as Dave Dabrowski being like, we made all this money from the World Series. Like, I want the cheapest of the four. <laughs> well, that's the thing. I don't know why he's being considered the obvious cheapest of the four. I think that's an interesting part about this. But I'm glad you mentioned them. I was going to say Cardinals or Cubs. And I think that, Last year is a good reminder of we spent going into the winter. It was like Korea Tigers, Korea Tigers, Korea Tigers. Like, oh, just cutting It's Javi Baez Tigers. These shortstops, we, we, we want to place them in these different places, but maybe Bogarts is the Phillies. Maybe Correa is the Phillies and Bogarts is the Cubs. And Turner is actually the Braves. And Turner is the, the, you know, the whatever. There's a lot of different versions of this. Um, they're Dodgers, right? Like it's a musical chair situation. We'll see who ends up. Uh, not especially then last year, you know, the Rangers signed two of them. It's like, well, what, how am I supposed to expect that? So long way to go. But I think Cardinals, I think Cardinals is, is a really, really good fit uh, for Bogarts in a lot of ways. I think Cardinals are a great fit for a lot of these guys. But all right, let's move on to Dansby, 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 Dansby. And as we were doing this research yesterday, Jake, you the first thing you were saying was like, hey, wait a minute. Dansby's his, his middle name? Dansby's yeah, his middle name. His middle name. Why don't we just call him James Swanson? Let's he, that doesn't really quite have the same the Jimmy. Same, uh, yeah, we're not as excited to sign James Swanson. I love that. So let me back. It is common for people to go by their middle name. Mm-hmm. Zach Granke is an example of this. Yep. And it is common for people's middle names to be their mother's maiden name. Mm-hmm. But I have never seen someone do both before. And that is what James Dansby Swanson has done. Yes. And uh, yeah. And, and Dansby. All right. First memory of Dansby. Uh, another number one overall pick in this conversation. I mean, I remember him pretty pretty clearly in college. Um, Vandy, of course, he won a, a World Series with Vandy and then wins a World Series with the Braves. But I remember the first time we interviewed him. 2016, he is in the Southern League with the Mississippi Braves. This was actually on the road in Jackson, Tennessee. And pregame during our, this is part of our our big minor league road trip across the country. Pregame, we went out and talked to Dansby. And Dansby was sitting there with his then-girlfriend and their dog, 
Uh, and there is a, I remember very vividly, the reason I remember this so vividly is that who, somebody at MLB.com made a GIF of Dansby and this dog, which I wonder if that GIF is still online somewhere from this interview. But I remember our first interview with Dansby out there behind left field in Jackson, Tennessee, uh, with this, this uh, cute dog and his girlfriend who I don't know what she's up to. Hope she's doing well. Not, not no, Mallory not, Pugh. Not Mallory Pugh. <laughs> um, but yeah, I hope that dog's uh, and that girlfriend, uh, ex girlfriend's doing well. But I remember that. And Dansby's just, he's a, he's a delight. He is an extremely nice, cool, uh, chill, extremely likable person. That is a great way to start uh, the Dansby Swanson conversation. And uh, in talking about Dansby's best season, mm. he certainly just had it. I don't yeah, believe that that's is why up for it. That's why he's on this podcast. <laughs> that's why we're talking about him as part of this group because he just had a gold glove season with 25 home runs and played every single damn day for a team that won a division. That is a good way to that is a that is what we call a strong platform year heading into the free agent market. Yeah, by far his most productive season. Now, the thing is he did hit 27 home runs in 2021. Uh, but the offense in general was a little bit lower. He hit 248 in 2021 compared to 277 uh, in 2022. And the defense was was tremendous. And it's usually, it's always been good this year, it seemed to take up another level. Now, you just expressed a lot of uh, skepticism over defensive metrics. But do you believe that Jansby Swanson is one of the best shortstop defenders in baseball? Yes. Yes, I do. Okay. Because so it looks good. like it. It looks yes. like it. You know, yes, I agree. You watch him day in, day out. He makes all the plays. He makes the hard plays. His arm is good enough to make the incredibly hard plays. He doesn't make a lot of mistakes. And people in the game pretty much talk about him being a great defender. What is he not good at? (laughs) Making contact with the baseball. Last year, he had 182 strikeouts, which even in our day and age is a whole lot of Ks. Yeah. And, you know, if you pull up, highly recommend on Fangraphs, you could just make a custom player list with these four guys and you can compare them over list year, last year, however many years you want. And, you know, last, let's just say last four seasons, right? Or, you know what, let's, let's just do last two seasons when Dansby's really taken up the the power. We'll just talk about that. He's got a 26% strikeout rate. The other three are all under 20. And also he has the second lowest walk rate uh, compared to Turner, right? So, that this is a is a much flimsier offensive profile. Now, shortstop who plays every day and is that good at defense that will probably hit 25 home runs. Again, great elevator pitch, right? That is a great starting point. And it, again, you mentioned with Bogarts, the makeup of your team could make a big difference here, right? This is why he's also maybe a good fit in St. Louis with some of the other guys that are more well-rounded offensive players. This is still a very, very, very good player, truly. Uh, when your defense is that good and you can provide offense that way. But if you're comparing it to the guy that likes of Bogarts and the likes of even Turner and certainly Correa, this is where the offensive profile is just not in the same league. What's weird about Swanson is that the defensive ability gives him a really high floor because even if he doesn't hit, you can still run him out there every day and he's like a two-win player just by waking out of bed, right? Mm-hmm and stepping into the shortstop position. Mm -hmm. But on the other hand, the offensive holes in his game give him a much lower floor because it means he could completely fall off a cliff, whereas Xander Bogarts and Trey Turner and Carlos Correa all probably won't. Turner because of his speed and the other two because of their, you know, ball strike recognition. I 
that means that people are skeptical in Swanson moving forward and his ability to continue to make contact as his skills start to age. There have been some people who are like, I wouldn't touch him. And then there are some people like, that's the guy I want. He's going to work his ass off to make the necessary adjustments. He's a very hard worker. He's a guy who thinks about hitting. It's not as if he was just sitting on his ass all those years, hoping that one day he would be a better hitter. Mm-hmm. Like he had to do a lot of work to get to that point. And I am one of those people who think that he can maintain at least an above average level of offensive ability. But I understand the skepticism just because of how recent this jump in production is. Jordan, where do you fall on that? Yeah, I'm I'm a little more skeptical, but just to your point, right, he he has you can look at it two ways. You can look at it as this dude works. This dude has tried to figure it out and he he did turn a corner this far into his career. You can also look at it and think about it more like Marcus Semien, right? Maybe that's who you're thinking about. Now, now that's a little bit more extreme, but from the standpoint of we thought we knew what Marcus Semien was. That is the most incredible thing. He, Marcus Semien is one of the most amazing developmental stories we have in baseball because he was totally fine for like six straight seasons and then suddenly he was an MVP candidate, right? There was no fluctuation. He was average, right? And Swanson is a very similar story where it was like, he's a good defender. He's a very good defender, a very important position. He's got a little bit of pop and that's what you're getting. That's a good player. Is that a dude I want to give $200 million? No, right? Now you have this season. It's like, oh, wait, hold on. Maybe it is. Do you want to say he figured it out? Or do you want to say, wow, that really came together at the right time. And I'm really just, you know, signing the 14th best shortstop instead of the eighth best shortstop. And that's a big difference. That's a lot of millions of dollars that that value is probably worth. And so I don't know, man, I, I'm, I'm, I'm definitely skeptical. I think he's really good to your point. There is a high floor in a lot of senses. Maybe he has turned a corner and we should not underrate the value of, of the season he just had. I can't really imagine with his uh, strike zone uh, with the whiffs. I can't really imagine him having that much better of a season than what he just had, which is another reason maybe to be concerned. But at the same time, maybe he is figuring things out. Maybe he is uh, still ascending in that sense. You know, he's he'll be uh, he'll be he's also uh, you know a year younger than than Correa and or than than Bogarts and, and Turner. He turns twenty nine uh, in February. So I don't know, man. This is this is a tough one. Again, it seems like the Braves are pretty content letting him walk. We're much more prepared for it uh, this time compared to to, to next uh, to, to Freddie Freeman last year. Uh, but before we get to that, do we have any other fun facts or did you know is there anything else we want to we want to sneak in here? This is something that makes me laugh on his Wikipedia page. Quote, mm-hmm. Swanson finished his three year varsity basketball career mm-hmm. with one hundred and sixty five three point goals, earning the nickname three point Swanson. That's what everyone calls him. But the Braves I was man. say, can we can we work on the nicknames there down? And I assume this is this what this was in, in what in Kennesaw. Yeah. And Kennesaw. Come on. We, we could do better than that. Uh, the other thing we mentioned earlier is he is engaged to a member of the U.S. Women's National Team, Mallory Pugh. Now, this is they've been together for a few years now, but this is a pretty this is a pretty strong sports couple. I got to say really, really, really strong. And this is the other thing, too. Right. I mean, Mallory Pugh is has to be what one of the five best player women's soccer players on the U.S. National Team. Right. I, I assume I'm not that I, I don't know that I'm not much of an expert. Um, but Dansby's kind of since Dansby has improved a lot since he since he got with Mallory Pugh. And so I, I like to think that she's she's kind of raising the bar because at first it was like, damn, 
I mean, Mallory Pugh is, is outclassing Dansby Swanson in a lot of ways here in terms of performance level. Well, he kind of told me this. I wrote an article about this earlier yeah. this year where it was like, there is something about you wake up every morning and the person you spend the most time with is a world-class athlete who is going to help get the best out of you, mm-hmm. right? And that's not to say that partners who are not world-class athletes don't get the best out of people. But there is something different, right? You wake up in the morning sure. and that other person is pissing greatness. You yeah. know, they're they're doing whatever weird nutritional shit athletes do and they're going to the gym and they're they're doing all that stuff. And so for you, it just becomes a, you know, more embedded part of your life. That is not from experience, just so everyone knows. <laughs> One last question for you, Jordan. Will Dansby Swanson take a pay cut to stay in Atlanta? And I guess, should he? Uh, I think he is more likely to. Ooh, actually, I don't know. I was going to say than Freddie in a weird way. Um, I Should he? No, I, that's why I'm never, never. going to tell to take a pay cut. <laughs> that's just no. um, will he? I'm going to say no. Generally, that's the safe answer, no matter how much you think they're you know tied in together here. Uh, I think that there will be enough other teams that are very excited about what he has to offer that he'll get substantially more than what the Braves are willing to give him. And so, yeah, I think he's I think he's going to go. I think it was a hell of a run. It was pretty cool to see him be the Braves shortstop. I mean, like he like I mean, think about it this way, right? He he lived out the dream. He did. Georgia kid shortstop of the Braves wins a World Series like he did. He did it. Right. So in, in that sense, it's not like, sure, it's still cool to keep doing that, but I'm sure he's plenty to content to go take the biggest bag and, and play somewhere else. So that's my. It is just interesting to think about how the Freddie Freeman debacle last year clouds his interaction with the Braves sure. now, that's because true. Freddie Freeman, looking back, I'm sure there were moments where he wished he would have taken whatever the Braves offered him mm-hmm. because it ended up being the same amount essentially that he got from the Dodgers mm-hmm. and he looked like a fool and was crying and didn't get to stay where he wanted to stay. Right. Whereas for Dansby, I think the Braves are pretty content letting him go, right? Where I think the number that he could get elsewhere is going to end up being significantly higher than the number the Braves are going to offer him. Yep. Right. And because of that, I don't think it will be a scenario like Freeman last year. Uh, I like the Cardinals fit too. where do you think Dansby ends up? I think he's the Cubs. Oh, OK. Right. Again, to, to, to the point I just made earlier. Right. We, we want to just connect these obvious things like, OK, he's going to go there and he's going to go there. And this is how. The, no, it's not going to go that way. So, sure. Yeah. I mean, I, I in some ways, it's like he is a good building block. He can't. Be, maybe this is a good way to put it about Swanson. He shouldn't be your best player. Shouldn't be your best player. And he, and he wasn't in Atlanta, you know? So, like, Atlanta was good because Austin Riley is a is a freak, right? And Ronald Acuna Jr. is, is a freak, right? Like, that that's that's what you need. Can't be your best player. He could be one of your best players, and he is a good building block in that sense. Would Cubs fans be disappointed by that? Probably. But they have a lot more work to do than just whoever is shortstop. Now, before we get out of here, Jordan... Let's quickly rank our four. Mm-hmm. Just the very let, let's do it. I think there are two different ways you can do it. One is if money didn't matter, and one way to do it is like the overall projected contract that they are gonna get, right? Because if you were like, hey, you can have Carlos Correa or Xander Bogarts for the next ten years, I would take Xander Bog or I would take Carlos Correa. Mm-hmm. But if it was like when you take the the money into account, even though the money's not real, 
I would probably prefer to have Bogarts for seven years than Correa for 11 years or whatever. Yeah, it's interesting. Uh, again, you know, shout out to John Becker, his incredible uh, free agent matrix. Like all of projections have, it seems like Turner and Correa as the ones getting the super long term, close to $300 million. Bogart Swanson, it's closer to more like 6 180 And it's interesting that Swan, I, to me, Bogarts is way better than Swanson. So, but, he's but let's rank them. So let's, older. So let's rank them. Yes, that's true. I would go Correa, Bogarts, Turner, Swanson. I would go the same, I think. Possibly still Turner over Bogarts, but I love, 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 love Bogarts. How about just for 2023? Just for 2023, mm-hmm. I would go. Because for that, I think I'm still going Turner. <laughs> I think I'm 2023. Still... Yeah, I'm going Turner, mm-hmm. Bogarts, Swanson, Correa. Mm. Damn. All right. Hey, I love I love that. I love that. That spice. Uh, we're going to we're going to we're going to go. We're going to finish with some rapid fire superlatives. Just. These aren't even discussion points. We're going to. So how have you come up with this list of superlatives? Did you just find your yearbook? Or how did you do this? I Googled yearbook superlatives and I clicked on the first link I saw and then I copied the ones that I thought were funny. OK, great. So we're just going to run through these and give our answers and sometimes explain them and sometimes not. Let us begin. Biggest flirt. Trey Turner. They're all Dan- <laughs> in serious relationships as far as I know. Actually, Bogarts, I'm not sure. Is Bogarts Dansby Swanson. Dansby Swanson. Okay. Mm-hmm. Class clown. Turner. Correa. Life of the party. Turner. Correa. Most athletic. Turner. <laughs> Correa. Most changed. Ooh. Um... I think Swanson. I will take. I will take Turner. <laughs> okay. Most likely to succeed. Bogarts. I will take Bogarts too. <laughs> Best car. Best car. I'm just guessing Correa. Yeah, me too. Best celebrity lookalike. I'm going Swanson. Charlie mm. Culberson. <laughs> wow, <laughs> celeb. A big time, a big leaguer like Langer. Uh yeah, sure, Swanson. I mean, he's the one that people like to pretend is, you know, a, a movie star. Best dressed. Uh, who am I to say? Uh, Correa, I guess. Yeah, I'll take Correa. Who's the worst dressed? You think? Probably Turner, Turner. Swan- or Swan- Swanson. It can no be- Swanson. I like his. his okay. I think Swanson's a good Turner dresser. Seems like, yeah, I'll, Turner seems like yeah. Turner seems to say that. Best hair. Swanson. Damn. <laughs> Best on. laugh. Best laugh. I'm trying to think if I've heard. I can't, I've never I heard can, Xander Bogart's laugh. I can picture Correa or I can admit picture. I can hear Correa. He's been. I sir, you're right. I have no clue. This is the thing. Bogart's is like in some ways the most mystery man of, of the four. I like Dansby's laugh. And the next one is Best Smile. And I'm actually going to take Turner for that one. Mm-hmm. I think okay. Turner has this very like childish. Yes, I do. Way agree. about him. I do agree with that. The other ones, it's a little, a little more. Uh, no, I'll take Xander for smile. I, I think that that's something that 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 comes across in the headshot more than maybe we know about yeah. the rest of his personality. Most likely to get ID'd when they're thirty years old. Trey Turner. Trey Turner. Mm-hmm. 
that's come on. I can imagine that's happened to him. Absolutely. 100%. There's no way Carlos Correa's gotten ID'd ever. Uh, no, I think Correa, Correa, I would say more like Bogarts is is the one that I think looks the most 35 already. (laughs) How many times in Carlos Correa's life has he been asked to show an ID to enter a bar or a club? How Mm. many times in his life? Over under 25. Under, but I think it's close to that number. I mean, okay. the dude was, uh, he was pretty baby face when he first came up even. I, I, well, I My point is like, it, he's famous. He's right. It's like, I'm Carlos Correa. What, what are you going to say? I'm not, I can't come in. I, I, I get it. But I, I, I don't know. I still think there, there was a, a period. Best person to share a deserted island with is the last one. Hmm. That is an interesting one. I think probably Bogarts. I don't know. <laughs> I'm like taking the mystery box of Bogarts personality wise. Actually, Are you thinking no. about vibes or like practicality? Because if right. it's practicality, it's probably Correa because he can reach the coconuts on the tree, <laughs> you know, and we can survive mm-hmm. and he can catch a wild boar mm-hmm. and we can eat, you know. Mm-hmm. Oh, also, yeah. he's I guess him and Bogarts have to be ahead because they have they are. Familiar with island with life. islands, that's true. I'm not vi- right, right. Whereas you know, Dansby in, in in suburban Atlanta, and you know, Trey Turner's a Florida kid. Calling Aruba a deserted island is not fair to a place that is very real. However, it is more of a deserted island than suburban Atlanta and uh, the coast. Island of Florida. is in the name. That is the the, the point. <laughs> Or as part of the description, I would say. So that's I'll go good. with Xander. That's good. I feel all right. That, that, I, I I like this. Again, like to your point, I, I think we were most in line on most likely to succeed. If there's one takeaway you should have from this podcast is that we believe in Xander Bogarts wholeheartedly. Will he have a 15 war season? Probably not. But man, is he good at baseball? How many Hall of Famers did we talk about today? Over under. One and a half. I That's an insane number. One half. Uh, You're setting the line at one and a half. I will hammer the under. Okay, that's fine. I'm just saying, again, like Correa and Bogarts. Bogarts is also the one on the safest Hall of Fame path. Because, again, we're talking about compiling numbers. He's always been there. He's going to have multiple World Series rings. Bogarts is the safest bet also for the Hall of Fame, I think, at this point. Interesting. So you'll take it over on one and a half Hall of Famers. I'll take it over on half. On half. And I th- might also take it on, on one and a half. Yeah. I think I I'll, would. You want to do you want to do one and call it a push? <laughs> okay, fine. <laughs> Let's do that. <laughs> this has been brought to you by Stupid Bet. Uh, <laughs> Stupid Betting Site. Make sure you head over to Stupid Betting Site and check out Jake and Jordan's Irrelevant Wagers. Uh, thank you all for listening to the Shortstop Special. We hope you have a wonderful Thanksgiving. You can email us at baseballbarbacast at gmail.com, B-A-R-B-Cast. Uh, got some great emails. We'll keep those coming. Also, thank you to Chris Tyler for producing this episode, the Shortstop Special. And guess what? We have a third episode coming out later this week, Friday morning. We will have a special guest, Mr. Vinny Pasquantino. One of the best rookie hitters in baseball in 2022. And more importantly, a delightful person and very funny podcast guest. So we hope you enjoy that uh, special conversation with Vinny as you travel to and from your 
uh, respective Thanksgiving locations. Uh, but thank you all for listening to this episode. We hope you enjoyed and we will talk to you again uh, later this week with Vinny. And then next week, uh, we'll be back talking hot stove. Goodbye. Serious XM Podcasts.